So this is an occasion for us to listen to the Dhamma. And when we listen to Dhamma, it's for the uh, furthering and development of our mindfulness and our wisdom, which in turn will help us to mature and progress in our Dhamma practice. And this will help us to improve our understanding of the teachings that the Lord Buddha left for us. We have all gathered here today and uh, over time now to help um, build and support this monastery, uh, Buddha Bodhivana Monastery. This has come about because we have faith and confidence in the teachings of the Buddha, that is the Dhamma and the Sangha. We also um, have Venerable Ajahn Kalyano living here as our abbot and teacher. Uh, he also has strong faith and confidence in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and is able to lead us uh, in that. We have come together here in the past to offer the land here for the building of the monastery and many people have come together to help support the building of accommodation that is kutis or the meditation huts, uh, the kitchen, the eating hall and so on all to help support the Sangha and provide a place of practice. And it's now reached the time when it's, uh, everyone has come together for the most important kind of offering of material dana for the monastery, and that is the building and completion of this Ubozada Hall that we're sitting in now. And Ubozada Hall is a place where the resident community of monks and novices can practice, follow their rules of training and it's also a place where the laity can also gather to follow the monks in their training and they can gather to hear the Dhamma and to practice meditation. All of us uh, have this aim, which is to bring the Dhamma, the truth, as pointed out by the Lord Buddha, into our hearts or to bring our hearts and minds in line with the truth. Because when we're able to see and know the Dhamma, then we can really see and know the Buddha. Even though the historical Buddha died 2,500 years ago, his teachings are still alive and his he is still alive through the teachings. It's through hearing and understanding the teachings that this leads on to the practice. And this monastery, Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery, is a place of practice and a place to practice. Even though it's quite a long way out from Melbourne and its suburbs, you all still have the energy to uh, come out here to offer dana regularly to come and listen to talks and to practice meditation. This is because you're all interested to train your minds to understand the Dhamma. Uh, and you understand and can see that the mind is something that's very important because it's the beginning of everything. It's the source of all our happiness and suffering in life. Whatever we experience in life, whether it's happiness or suffering, it begins first in the mind. So if we put effort into practicing and training our minds, 
then it's possible for us to find a place of peace and coolness in there. This place of peace and coolness uh, we can call Nibbana, the place of enlightenment. Even though at first we experience this temporarily, uh, it's what we call Tatanga Vimuti, it's like a temporary liberation of mind that comes through the practice of Dhamma. When all the mental defilements and the causes of suffering temporarily subside from our minds. Nevertheless, it's still a very important uh, thing to experience. So as we train the mind and bring it to the point where we experience this temporary state of liberation, Tatanga Vimuti, this is the cause for us to experience a deep, profound coolness and peace of mind. The Buddha pointed out that ordinarily our minds as human beings tend to be hot and agitated. This is because they're affected by the qualities of greed, anger and delusion. So he, he encouraged us to practice and train to change that learn to find a way to abandon these qualities of greed, anger and delusion. The way we do that is we begin with the practice of generosity in our daily lives as a way to directly go against the tendency towards greed, possessiveness and attachment which causes us so much suffering. For example, we've built this hall now here and this is comes from the practice of dana or generosity, people giving up their material wealth and time and resources to do this project. This is a direct way we can learn to let go of some of our greed, stinginess and attachment by doing something like this. We also, as we practice generosity and, and dana, we're learning to go against the tendency to want to take the possessions of others through stealing or other means. Um, let go of that kind of coarse greed from our minds. And we also learn to develop some wisdom and understanding as we practice dana. We can learn to understand the effect of dana, seeing the effect on the mind, how when we practice generosity and dana, it brings us some happiness through that letting go of attachment and possessiveness and greed. And we can gradually see the process of cause and effect and understand that when we do practice generosity in our daily lives, it's a great source of happiness and peace in the mind. And it has a purification, a purifying effect on the mind. The Buddha also pointed out that we need to teach ourselves the value of uh, living peacefully and harmlessly, not harming others through our actions or our speech. We have the guidelines for this, is the five precepts, the Benchasila, which are guidelines which help us to act in ways that don't harm others or ourselves. If a practitioner, a human being, has both the qualities of dana or generosity and sila, that is moral virtue, then the power of goodness in their heart will be increasing. Their, their, their sense of inner worth will be increasing. 
and the results of all the good actions that come from the generosity and the virtuous behavior uh, it has very concrete results and brings very obvious peace and happiness to the heart of that person but in practicing in these to develop these qualities we also need the quality of patience kanti we need this because it's uh, there's mu- much that we have to bear with in life and be patient with the various difficulties of living in the world the challenges of living with other people we need this quality of kanti or patient endurance uh, to deal with that that's why the, the Buddha said there's no higher dhamma or higher quality than the, the quality of patient endurance for battling with the defilements and overcoming our mental defilements Sometimes it might be that we have very agitated states of mind. We might want to harm other people, destroy them, or destroy their property, or so on. So we use this quality of kanti, patient endurance, to restrain these more extreme, unwholesome qualities that might arise in our mind. We learn to restrain our anger and bring our behavior under control. First of all, our external behavior our speech, our actions, and then internally the uh, the thoughts. And the result of practicing these five precepts in this way is that it normalizes our behavior. It's what we say, what we mean by normal is not harming anybody else or oneself through one's speech, one's actions. By normalizing our behavior in this way, we are protecting our happiness. And of course, that extends to the people around us, our families, relatives, and loved ones. If we're keeping the five precepts, then we have a sense of mutual trust, respect, and sensitivity towards each other in the family. If we're married, we respect and trust our husband or wife. We just have one husband or wife. We don't go looking for many partners. These five precepts are the qualities of a sotapanna, what we call a stream enterer, one who has seen the, the, the Dhamma, penetrated the Dhamma and entered the stream. In the time of the Buddha, the famous um, supporters of the Buddha, Anattapindaka, the wealthy merchant, and the lady Visaka, both good examples of people who had practiced keeping the five precepts and seen the Dhamma through the practice of their meditation. Even though they were wealthy people and very, very busy with many responsibilities in their family, their work and so on, they never broke the five precepts. They kept them at all times. The result of this was they had great peace of mind, a mind free of regret and the happiness of living in a virtuous way it comes from the practice They had obviously been practicing over many lifetimes, keeping the precepts, giving dana, practicing meditation. You can see the result of that. When they came to hear the Dhamma from the Buddha, they understood it immediately, and immediately their minds were made peaceful. That's a result of all that former practice over many lifetimes, giving its fruit. So today we are here to... um, part of the celebrations for the opening of this Ubozda Hall. Um, Today we can practice uh, sticking gold leaf onto the stone markers in front of me.
This is an important thing to reflect on. And this Ibozada Hall and these marker stones which will mark the boundary of it, it's a place for the practice of Sangha Kama. That means the transactions, the meetings and affairs of the, the Sangha of monks can be performed properly in such a place. Particularly it's a place for the ordination of new bhikkhus, new monks can take place here. In Buddhism we talk about two kinds of ordination. We talk about the conventional ordination, that is the ceremony that um, somebody, a candidate goes through who wishes to become a Buddhist monk. Um, that takes place on the outside, on the conventional level. You have a ceremony with chanting and so on. But we also understand that that's not yet necessarily made that person into an internal monk or an internal peaceful person. That has to come through the practice, the practice of uh, sila, samadhi, panya, meditation and wisdom to bring the person's heart to true liberation and develop the sense of being an internal monk or nun. These marker stones we have in front of us, we are, treat them as a, a, an offering to the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And when we place gold leaf onto them, it's out of respect and veneration for the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. We feel that it's um, very meritorious or very powerful good karma to do this, uh, to build a monastery, to build an Upposita hall, a place where monks can practice to keep the discipline and practice for the ending of suffering. Very, very powerful good karma. So all of those of you who have helped to offer the land here or helped to offer um, the funds for the building of accommodation, this is very, very powerful good karma. In Thailand, uh, they see it as one of the most meritorious or the most important ceremonies a monastery can have. Um, most monasteries, when they have this ceremony, uh, sticking gold leaf onto these marker stones and then burying them in the ground, you can have up to 5,000 people a day come to stick gold leaf on these balls of stone. They usually have that ceremony for about nine days and they say by the end of the nine days those people who have come and stuck gold leaf, it may be a cause for them to have a heavenly rebirth. You notice even in the times when the economy is not so good, People's faith in that never changes. Whether the economy is good or not, people still come and they believe in the power of good karma and supporting such things. So here in Melbourne we're very lucky to have this monastery, have the chance to come and practice here. We also have a teacher, Ajahn Kalyano, to lead us in the practice of the Dhamma and follow in the footsteps of the Lord Buddha. So we should try to put his teachings into practice and to shape and purify our minds just as someone purifying and shaping a diamond before he sells it as jewelry might do. We do this with our minds through the power of the teachings and following the teachings of the Buddha. We should consider that we once born into this world, we're not going to be here forever. Life is short and uncertain. So now that we're fortunate enough to have met with the teachings of the Buddha, this has brought some light, some radiance into our lives. We should not waste that opportunity. The Buddha said, one who sees the Dhamma sees the Buddha. 
So take the opportunity to come and regularly listen to the Dhamma, to practice meditation, to keep the precepts. This is the way we can improve ourselves and mature our practice. And this will bring to, together the qualities, the causes and the conditions that will bring rise, give rise to peace of mind and understanding of the Dhamma. So once we are practicing generosity and keeping the five precepts on a regular basis, we say that we have a foundation in our minds, in our hearts. And that is a foundation for the development of meditation and particularly the quality of samadhi, concentration. The word samadhi literally means a mind that is firmly established. And we develop this quality of firmness uh, and calm through the practice of focusing our attention on a meditation object. This might be uh, putting our attention on the feeling of the in and out breath or else putting our attention on a mantra such as the word buddho. And we focus our attention on the meditation object repeatedly over and over again until the mind becomes still we need this stillness um, to experience peace of mind and clarity and to improve our, our understanding of truth. As we do this practice, it's quite common that people have doubts arise about the way to practice. It's a bit like this Ubozada hall. If you look at this hall, there are many doorways. Uh, you could choose to come in. You could come in the front or at the sides or at the back. The important thing is that all of these doorways enter into the same hall, bring you into the hall. People are like this with meditation techniques and the practice of meditation. There are many techniques one can use to focus the mind and develop the concentration and the firmness of mind. But they're all aiming for that. They're aiming to help you to bring the mind to a state of peace, calmness and stillness. One could recollect the Buddha or the Dhamma or the Sangha or the, recollect the sensation of the breath and there are many other techniques one could use. The main purpose is to bring the practitioner to this point of stillness where the mind isn't caught into the normal kind of discursive agitated thinking. One might wonder what it's like, uh, the mind, state of mind where the mind is not agitated thinking a lot. Uh, how can that happen? Well, it must arise from a cause, just like everything else. That cause is learning how to put effort in and focus the mind on a meditation object. And over time, this state of stillness and quietness arises. It's natural, as we practice, there will be some obstacles and difficulties. We'll notice this as we try to train the mind to concentrate there'll be different mental states arising. We'll have mental states of disliking, of liking and attachment, mental states of agitation and restlessness, mental states of sleepiness or dullness, and also states of doubt, uncertainty about the practice. All of these, you might say, are obstacles or a block to the mind becoming peace, peaceful. But we must understand the mind. We have to learn 
how to overcome these obstacles through the practice. We have to see that the mind itself is, is our most valuable thing, it's our most valuable asset. When we see that it is something of great worth or great value, that's where we'll get the energy and the effort from to train ourselves to overcome these obstacles. It's only through developing the mind that we can overcome these obstacles and reach a state of purity. When we say purity, we mean a state where we're, we've let go of our attachments, our wrong views and our delusions. And this, this is what releases the mind and lets it experience a much deeper and profound sense of peace. This kind of peace has uh, what we call pity and sukha at its base. It's, it's a rapturous, joyful, happy, blissful peace that comes from the still mind. And it's something that probably most of us have never experienced before. We have to practice until we experience it for ourselves. So let us all make use of this monastery and this Ubozada hall for that, for this practice following in the footsteps of the Lord Buddha so that we can all find true peace and happiness. Through this training the mind in the practice of samadhi pavana, developing the experience of stillness and firmness, this becomes a foundation for the growth and development of wisdom, insight. Wisdom here means the understanding of the mind, the nature of the mind. Understanding exactly what our minds are, what is the mind. The mind is what we call a datu. It's just an element of nature, something that just exists. It's something that knows. How does the mind know? It knows through the six senses. The mind knows forms through the eyes, sounds through the ears, touch through the body and so on. And it can also know internally different objects based on memories and thoughts. If a human being has no mindfulness or wisdom, all this knowledge that comes to the mind becomes a source of attachment the mind grasps that it attaches to it and this is a cause for suffering to arise. The way suffering arises is that literally the radiance, the brightness of the mind disappears as attachment occurs. In its nature this mind is radiant, it's bright, radiant and pure. But over time through the presence of ignorance, delusion, lack of mindfulness and wisdom the mind becomes blemished and a cause of suffering. So the Buddha taught us to develop and practice mindfulness and wisdom, to train the mind in these qualities. And through this we'll be able to let go of all these mental states and these mental defilements which blemish the mind. We can only do that through the power of a mind trained in mindfulness and insight, wisdom. When we've trained it well enough, the mind will be able to let go of Sakaya Ditti, personality view or the attachment to these candors as, as being me and mine. 
be able to let go of sila patabaramasa, the blind attachment to rituals and other external practices. And the mind will be able to let go of wichikicca, doubt and uncertainty about the practice and the way to practice. These three things that the mind can let go of, normally they're the cause for greed, anger and delusion to arise in the mind and heart of a human being over and over again on a regular basis. So we're practicing to let go of them. We're practicing to make the mind peaceful and to develop the wisdom to see and understand the truth to see and understand the truth of this world, say the physical world and the mental world, to see through just the conventional reality or the superficial appearance of this world and see to a deeper level that everything is actually anicca dukkha anatta, impermanent, unsatisfactory and not a self. It's through seeing these qualities, these truths, that the mind becomes peaceful. One can only see them through the development of the mind in sila, samadhi and panya, as I have been explaining thus far in this talk. So we have built this Ubozada hall here as a resource for the practice of the religion, and the practice of the teachings. It's a place for the Sangha and the laity to come together to use and practice for that purpose, for developing the mind, to develop insight. So in conclusion, I'd like to give my anumodana, express my appreciation to the Sangha here of Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery, led by Venerable Ajahn Kalyano, who gave up his time to come here uh, to help establish this monastery and build it up. Also give my anumodana to the lay people who support this monastery. They've given up so many of their resources and so much time to support the place. And I also give my anamodana to all the Sangha members who have left their homes to come and ordain and become Buddhist monks and novice monks. May the power of the good karma, the kusala karma that you have all made, both Sangha and laity, be a cause for your progress in your Dhamma practice. May it be a cause for your happiness and maybe it be a cause for you to reach human birth again. May it be a, be a cause for you to reach heavenly rebirth. May it be a cause for you to reach Nibbana, full enlightenment. May it be a cause for you to be able to overcome all the obstacles that you might meet in your lives and in your Dhamma practice. <laughs> 